0: Um, let's begin at 2 Corinthians chapter five verse 7 again, um, we're not going to stay in that passage very long, but I do want us to, to begin uh, there. It's become our like a golden text I guess, or springboard passage, the one that we kind of go to and, and we're building on it. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter five verse seven says this, "For we walk by faith not by sight." So again, pretty straightforward verse, pretty simple verse in the sense that what it presents to us um, you know how do we do it we do it by faith how do we not do it we don't do it by sight and these verses are um, I'm sure there's a a, a pretty snazzy word that would uh, you know communicate you know this but it's more than just that these words are opposites in other words if you're walking by sight it makes it impossible for you to walk by faith it's an either-or situation, right? You're either walking by faith or you're walking by sight or you're walking by sight uh, and not walking by, uh, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, by, by faith. So the idea is you can't do them both at the same time. You can't walk by by faith and sight at the same time. Uh, so we've got to choose. And a lot of people are willing to choose, but they don't really, I think, understand how to choose it, how to, Focus in on faith as opposed to walking by sight, now a couple of other things we 've talked about it a few times. whatever's not of faith is time and effort spent traveling in a wrong direction towards an inferior life okay in there's whatever we 're doing uh, uh, opposed to faith or opposite to faith or by sight instead of faith, is time and effort spent traveling in a wrong direction towards an inferior life and so We've asked this question, not what does it mean to walk by faith, that's a good question, but we're asking a different question. What does it mean then to walk by sight? Because I believe in our world today, listen to me now, there are a lot of people who think they're walking by faith who are actually walking by sight and don't realize it. So we've got to become aware of what it means to walk by sight so that we can correct that and ultimately learn the effective way to put our faith into gear, into action, all right? So we said that walking by sight is going about life based upon the way things look, seem, or feel. The way something looks, the way something seems, or the way something feels. I I can speak for myself, I can speak for my family, I I hope uh, it's happening in yours, your own life, but if nobody else will help you with it, are you at least trying to help yourself? Are you paying attention to how many times you use these words in a day? How many times you say, what well, looks like to me, or it seems like, or it feels like, or I feel like this, you know. So, so many people are accustomed to, we said it was a default setting, it's the way the world lives. They, they live by the way things uh, look, seem, and feel. And we've been uh, conditioned by living uh, on planet Earth uh, to live our lives that way. But that's not faith. Walking by faith is going about life based upon what you know is true. But not yet visible. What you know is true, but not yet visible. Uh, Brother John Smith mentioned it in class this evening, and and it just kind of registers with me again here this evening. Remember, there's a difference between something that is a fact and what is the truth, because something can be factual, but it it can change. So it's a fact that it's not raining right now, but you know, if it starts raining tomorrow, then. The fact is, it's changed. It is raining now. But the truth of God is in a different category. It's on a different level, different plane. The truth of God's eternal. It never changes. And it's fate in what God has said, even though we can't see it or have not yet seen the visible results of it, um, that's what we still need to go by. Last week, and we're not going to review any of this, but last week we, we talked about how. You know, when we live by, walk by the way things look, seem, or feel, um, it makes it so much easier for Satan to deceive us. And we will look at it, if not tonight, in the coming days, in our study on Wednesday night, of how Satan actually can manipulate, because the Bible identifies him, Jesus identified him as the God of this world, the ruler of this world. He said, I've come to cast him out, but he's the ruler of this world. That's in John 12 and 31. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it plainly says that Satan is the god of this world or the god of this age. So we know that Satan has um, abilities, if you will, in this created realm to manipulate things and even to manipulate the way things uh, look or how it seems or how it feels. So when we chart a course in life, you know, waking up every day of our lives, doing things based upon how we feel, making decisions based upon how it seems, you know, a, a addressing things on how they look, then we're setting ourselves up and making ourselves so vulnerable for Satan to deceive us. But when we hold fast to the truth, when we hold fast to the truth, we will study it in greater detail again in the days ahead. But the moment Peter introduced to Jesus a thought contrary to the truth concerning his life, Jesus cut him off at the knees. Not, Not Peter, Satan cut him off at the knees and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, Jesus immediately was able to recognize a thought that did not come from God, but came from this world a subtle effort using someone very close to Jesus. If you understand the context, Jesus had just told these men that he was going to have to be crucified and die. And Peter stepped up and said, no way, we will not stand for that. We're not going to allow that. Now, if you fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane, you see Jesus knew what was coming and he was begging his father for a way out of that. What did Satan do through a Peter who was you know, obviously not seeing the bigger picture and knowing the full truth. Peter thought he was being kind and considerate. Peter thought he was establishing his loyalty to Jesus. Peter thought he was being the big man and the leader of the disciples, right? When he steps in and says, oh, no way, we will not allow that one minute, Jesus. What he didn't realize is he was trying to introduce into Jesus' thinking another way, an alternate route, Something other than what his father had declared, right? And Jesus recognized it and, and identified it and then rebuked the enemy for who and what he actually is, all right? Now, I said we're gonna talk about it more the, later, but we're talking about it a little bit now, aren't we? It's okay, we, there's more to this, and I want you to see the, 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 the fullness and, and have the opportunity to give you the fullness of this teaching. But I felt impressed this afternoon to, to at least mention this tonight in the beginning because we have got to allow the Holy Spirit to help us recognize when the enemy is trying to pull our chain. We've got to recognize it. We cannot allow his thoughts and thinking in our minds, not even for one. We talk about entertaining a thought. Quit entertaining those thoughts. Get them out of there. Because that becomes the crack in the door. Because remember, he wants to line your thoughts up with the way things look, seem, or feel. Line your thoughts up, line your words next, and then your actions. All right. There's a lot for us to learn about these things from the very first temptation. And the very first temptation, the record of that's found in Genesis 3. So if you will, turn there with me and we'll probably be there. Um, for the rest of our time together this evening. So let's go to Genesis chapter 3, if you will, please. Genesis chapter 3, and we'll begin at verse 1 here in just a moment. All right, so I kind of mentioned something a while ago, and I got a couple of people respond, but, um, you know, your, your homework assignment is to start paying attention how many times you use the words... Look, seem, feel. Now, obviously, there's some appropriate uses for those words. I'm not trying to say, you can't ever say that word again. No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? That's not it. But there's a difference between saying, I feel like it's going to be okay versus, I believe it's going to be okay because my God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. See the difference there, right? Well, you know, it, it doesn't seem too serious. Okay, well, again, how about nothing shall separate me from the love of God? I believe. See, there's a difference. So, you know, if the challenge for us You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's just, that's what I mean, that's what I mean. No, 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 see, again, we've we've got to bring our thoughts captive and line them up. Now, one last thing and we're going to get to Genesis. Is everybody still with me? Start where you are. Start where you are. Jesus, he was a man like us, by the way, don't forget that. He grew in faith and stature and wisdom and favor with God and man just like we did. Jesus was able to stand at the mouth of the tomb of one of his dear friends named Lazarus. He felt the grief because he cried. He saw the tomb and the mourning family. He even smelt his friend's decaying body, and yet his thoughts, words, and actions remained aligned with the Word of God, not with what was going on in front of him. that's pretty extreme right there. Remember when Abraham and Sarah were first presented with the promise that they would have a child, they laughed, In God's face, it seems so ridiculous an idea, so impossible an idea, because what at this point, their thoughts, words, and actions were aligned with the way it looked, the way it seemed, and the way it felt. But over time, they gave glory to God. They quit considering the circumstances that prevented them from having a child and started focusing only on, they considered not the circumstances, focused only on the Word of God until they became stronger and stronger and stronger in faith to where they not only believed God for that child, but excelled in faith even beyond that. Now, you may not be at the point yet of standing at the tomb of Lazarus. But wherever you are in your life, begin to set your thoughts, your words, your actions on the Word of God and align them with it. You've got, let me say it another way. I'm trying to get practical on you now. You've got to start somewhere. This don't just fall out of the sky and hit you in the head one day and you wake up a faith giant. You've got to start where you are and start training yourself. When worrisome thoughts come to you, it is a perfect opportunity for you to reject whatever it is that's worrying you and get your thoughts, words, and actions in line with the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And the next thing you know, you'll be able to line your thoughts, words, and actions up with even more trying situations, more challenging issues more difficult problems. But if you just let the rough end of faith drag, in other words, if you just kind of phone it in and don't even really care that much about it and all that stuff, well, you're just going to stay where you are. You're never going to grow in faith. You're never going to become stronger and stronger and stronger in faith. So again, you know, we've already received an offering. If if paying a 10% tithe is too much, you know, then start at five percent, and if five percent's not too much, get yourself a little calculator and figure out what three percent is. Well, Pastor, I, I can't even do that. Well, then how about one percent? You say, "Well, you don't have the authority to reduce the God ordained tithe. You got to start somewhere." You've got to start somewhere. If 1% is all you can do, then do 1% every week. Be faithful in it. Ask God to help you. But at least line, when it comes to your money, line up 1% of your finances with what God has said and ask Him to help you with the rest. We thought about doing like a a membership drive at Heritage, you know, and do like um, come join now and like half price ties for the month of March or something, but that's not what I mean and y'all know that. Hot dogs, yeah. Hot dogs, an umbrella, a free umbrella with a church logo on it and 5% ties for the month of March. Um, Come and get it while, while, before, while, while supplies last, amen. I, I've said this before, we had a, it was one year we did the fall festival, several years ago, it was one of the largest crowds we've ever had, I and mean, you couldn't even hardly walk out in the parking lot, and, and um, Matthew told me later, he said, you know, I had to get control of myself, he said, because I almost grabbed a hot dog and jumped up on the table, And started screaming at the people we'll give you a hot dog on sunday if you'll just come and receive what god has for you (laughs) Uh, i've never touched a hot dog since i don't think that i hadn't thought about that so you've got to start where you are start with what you can handle listen the the initial time god spoke that to abraham abraham the bible says he staggered it staggered him he could he he could not at that point, it challenged him so, to line his thoughts, words, and actions up with that promise. But he kept on working at it, right? Until he could. Until he could. How are you ever going to believe God to be debt-free if you can't believe, believe him, to trust him enough to give him 1% of your income? Yeah, I mean, see so what I'm saying? You start there, you start... Amen. All right, Genesis... Chapter 3. Let me do what I'm here to do. Praise God. Let's begin at verse 1. It says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And notice there's a question mark there. So Satan is presenting a portion of what God said to them and presenting it in the form of a question. Remember, one of his favorite words, if not his favorite word, is if. If. right? So has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Question, right? Remember when I told you about my own life, and and praise God, I'm still practicing this and growing in this, but it was a wonderful day for me when I realized I didn't have to comment on everything. See, now all of a sudden, devil's asking her a question, and she feels obliged to answer him. Listen now. He just wants to get you talking, right? He just wants to get you thinking. So, when somebody asks you a question, it invokes a thought. Then it invokes words, an answer. And if you're not careful, that answer will become an action. I believe he was real casual. I, I kind of picture him like with a, a snake. I know it's kind of silly, but you know, like a stick of straw hanging outside of his mouth, you know. It was almost like he was presenting to her like he was wanting to really know. He was really curious. So tell me about this tree. I mean, what is up with this? Did God really say to not eat that tree? I mean, that was kind of the, you know, like, um, anyway. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now I'm going to show you in a minute. I'm going to show you in a minute. That's not exactly what God said either. So now we have he varied it in the form of the question, and she slipped a little bit away from it in the form of her answer. Now you may say that's not that big a deal, but it is a big deal because what is the devil trying to do? He's trying to move her off the word. So now she's left a very important word out. I'll tell you, I'll show it to you in a minute, but the words freely, I see some of you already trying to find it. The, fr- the words freely is the one that's been left out here. God didn't just say we may eat every tree. He said we may eat freely of all the trees in the garden of Eden. But she says what? We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. <clears throat> then the serpent said to the woman, wait a second, I left out verse 3, where did it go? Praise God. I've got, it's not on the slide, I'm sorry. But the, the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Guess what? She said that part exactly the way God said it. What, let's do it. Let's go there first. 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, you say, well, she was just paraphrasing, Pastor Mark. Give us a break. No, she wasn't. No, no, no. There's something more going on here. You've got to let the Holy Spirit help you see it, but He'll show it to you if you'll let Him, okay? So what did God actually say? Adam, you see every tree in this garden? Son, they're all yours. Eat to your heart's content. Eat and enjoy except for that one tree. You see that one right there, son? Yes, sir, I see that one, Father. Okay, that one's mine. Don't touch it. And if you touch it, it'll bring death to you. But everything else is yours to freely eat from. Now, Satan comes to ask her about it and the part that she says is we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. She left out freely. We're going somewhere. We're going to get there before it's over with tonight, okay? And then she said, and God has said, and I apologize for not having the, uh, the slide on that. And God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. What am I trying to show you here? She's placing the emphasis on the negative and downplaying the positive. Let me get back to this. Verse number four. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, and she took of its fruit and ate. So also, she also gave to her husband, Uh, to her husband with her and he ate this may sound like the simplest thing I've said tonight but do not miss this Satan always wants you to focus on what you cannot have he always wants you to think about what you can't have he always wants you to become obsessed with what God, is, God has said is not good, is not healthy, is not right. And never consider for one moment all the things that Father God has freely given to you. All the things that He has made available to you. All the things that are good and healthy both now and tomorrow and ten years from now and ten thousand years from now that will be a benefit and blessing to you and your existence. Listen to me. Satan wants to make you... To look to the negative, he wants you to seem to be cheated, and he wants you to feel deprived. I didn't, I didn't craft that sentence very good, so let me go back to it. He's wanting you to look to the negative, yes? Seem to be cheated, and feel like you've been deprived. God didn't say, eat that tree, you'll die, and anything else you want, I guess you can have. No, that's not how he said it. He said, of every tree in the garden, you can freely eat it, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, but the day you eat it, you shall surely die. Now, it is important to note that up until this point, Adam and Eve have lived their life by faith. I don't know if they knew to call it that. I I don't even know if they understood that's what they were doing, but that's what they were doing. How do we know that's what they were doing? Well, up until this point, they've gone about living based upon what God said and nothing else. Now Satan, who only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, wanted to mess up the garden, ruin their lives, and separate them from God, but all of this was impossible if they remained living in faith. In other words, if they remained focused on what God said, living their life the way God said live it, aligning their thoughts, words, and actions with with what the Word of God said. Uh, had been spoken to them, had been delivered to them, as long as they, you say, well, Pastor Mark, there was a, you know, a whole lot more things that God said later. Yeah, but at that point, you know, whatever he had said to them, that's what they were doing. They were lining their thoughts, their words, and their actions up with that. Now Satan wanted to kick in that front gate, mess up that garden, ruin their lives, separate them from God, and cause them to fall the way he had, fa- had fallen from God. Only problem is, as long as they're in faith, he can't do that. He can't touch them. Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world, right? Faith is the victory. So faith is the difference. Faith is the means. So they're living by faith. Satan's trying to find... See, we think he was trying to get them to sin. And that's all. So that he could go, Nee 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 boo boo I made you sin. No. Whatever's not of faith is sin. He was trying to get them out of Faith! As long as they were in faith, as long as their thoughts and words and actions were aligned with the word of God, he couldn't touch them. So he's got to get them thinking a different way. He's got to take their thoughts and realign them to something opposed to what God has said. So he began by asking questions, hoping to find a weakness to exploit. Satan is doing with Eve what he does with all of us, trying to redirect her thoughts, words, and actions away from the Word and onto the way things look, seem, and feel. Now, some of you, I believe you're all going to undersee this, and but again, if you don't, it's okay, and if you disagree with me, it's okay. But the Holy Spirit kept bringing me back to verses 2 and 3. He kept directing me back to these verses to read them over and over and over again to see something that may not be initially obvious. And I've already mentioned it a little bit tonight, but let me try to explain it in, in fullness. The only part Eve speaks confidently about is the part about what she can't eat and what will happen if she does. Again, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. You say, oh Pastor Mark, how how can you tell what she was thinking or how she said that from these verses? Well, the Holy Spirit wrote this. And He will help us see these things and understand these things. I believe, hear me out fully, and then you decide, let the Holy Spirit help you decide for yourself. I believe there was a reluctance in her voice. I believe there was a disappointment expressed in her tone. She only included the God said part, right? In other words, if you're wanting to be bold about something, if you're wanting to establish something to someone or to some challenging situation, then you say what God said, and if you really want to establish it, say that He said it. You follow what I'm saying? Devil, get up in your grill. Devil, God said, he supplies all of my needs according to my riches in glory. Do you see the boldness there? Do you see the confidence there? I mean, you can just say the verse. You can even say where the verse is, but there's something about when you say, my God has said this. The only part she said God said in front of was the part about what she can't eat and what will happen if she does. Again, where was the confident and bold and joyful response that maybe should have sounded something like this? Oh no, you stupid devil, you're wrong! My loving God, my Creator, my Heavenly Father, He has given me every single tree in this garden to eat from until my heart is content and every single tree in this garden is more fruit than me and my husband and my children one day will ever be able to eat. As a matter of fact, let me tell you how good my God has been to me, devil. He has given me so many trees, I could eat off of one every day and wouldn't eat off of all of them for the next five years. See the difference there? Well, you know, we, we may eat from these trees, but that one over there, we can't have none of it. I feel so deprived. It seems like God's being so unfair. It looks to me like we ought to be able to eat anything we want. Glory to his name forever. He loves us so much. He has provided for us so abundantly. We get so caught up in what we don't have, what we can't have, what we want to do that we know we shouldn't do. And the devil gets your thoughts aligned with that, your words aligned with that. Next thing you know, you're doing that very thing again and again and again. How about lining your thoughts up with who you are in Christ? Christ. How about lining your thoughts, words, and actions up with what He's given to you, what He's done for you, the things that eyes have not yet seen, ears have not yet heard, hasn't even entered into your wildest imaginations, what He has prepared for those who love Him and who follow Him? He's given you His Spirit because what's yours is so grand you can never see it, never know it, never understand it without the assistance of God Himself living inside of you to show it to you. Do you see the difference there? I had a brilliant question asked me in, in one of my classes this week. The young lady says, and I could see it in her voice because, you know, she says, so Pastor Mark, does this mean I'll be in recovery the rest of my life? And I said, well, the short answer to that is yes, but you need to hear me out. Because if you understand what recovery is, recovery is what you, God, and others do to get you into and keep you in your best life. So one day when you're living your best life, you won't call it recovery, sister. you call it joy unspeakable, full of glory. Right? But see, she's looking at recovery as sleeping in a, in a four-story dorm with a whole bunch of women and not being able to see her family as she wants to, not having a cell phone in her pocket. Not be, you, she's looking, she's thinking, oh my God, the miseries of this, right? And it's like, you know, am I going to be relegated to this kind of recovery, you know, uh, stranglehold on me? Because, see, she, it is deceit. She's thinking that's recovery, see. It's like, yes, but that ain't what you're calling recovery. It ain't recovery, sister. But notice the devil always wants us to focus on what we can't do, what we can't have, where we can't go. And because we've become so connected to those things, we, we think well, we just might as well forget it, right? Right? Are you hearing me? A lot of folks coming out of, you know, drinking too much, they say, we just might as well forget about Christmas and Fourth of July. And we'll never enjoy another New Year's again because all they've known, right? And so now it's like we can't this, we can't that, we can't do this, we can't go there. He didn't create you to not do a list of things. He created you to live a life of freedom and wholeness and meaningfulness and satisfaction. I don't hear thankfulness in her voice. Do you? I don't don't hear it. And I don't hear, again, the word that she left out. Freely. (laughs) Right? Rather than focus on what she could freely do, now the enemy has got her thoughts shifting towards what she is not free to do. And he's telling her if she will do what she's not free to do, it's going to set her free like she's never known freedom. Wrong. I don't hear thankfulness in her voice, and I believe this was the crack in the door Satan was looking for. He said, you'll not surely die, for God knows the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan is trying to get her to look at the fruit in a different way. Did you hear me use that word? A way other than God's way of looking at it. Now on the surface, that may not seem like that big of a deal. After all, we are open-minded people. I mean, after all, closed-mindedness and intolerance are such terrible crimes in our world today. It's deceit. It's deceit. I don't mean narrow-minded judging people who are breaking God's commands. That's not what I mean. But I mean narrow-minded like if it ain't in the Word, it ain't us. If it ain't in the Word, it ain't me. Well, you know, times have changed, Pastor Mark. It's, you, you gotta, you gotta... No, 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 listen, it's an ancient book, but the answers are timeless. And anything God's ever told you to stay away from, it's because He loves you and He knows that it may seem appealing on the surface, but it ends in death. All right, I'm going to finish here. You ready? So, when the woman, I want to emphasize some words. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, that means pleasurable, that it touched her inwardly. It was, it's like when you behold something beautiful. I've heard people say, all my life, that it was something was breathtakingly beautiful. You ever heard that? Amen. Breathtakingly beautiful. I've heard that. I probably even maybe used that a time or two. Okay. I was in Yellowstone National Park with my family, and of course, Pam's sister and brother-in-law live up there now. We were we were there with them, and I was on a trail, and I came around a curve in a trail, and there lay out before me place called Jenny Lake, Lou, it took my breath. I literally went, (gasps) but not like somebody startled me or something like that. I went, (gasps) and then I started to cry. I I know it sounds crazy. It's absolutely one of the most gorgeous, beautiful, breathtaking scenes I've ever stood in front of on planet Earth. It's a lake that was caused by a glacier. The waters are clear and deep. It's still, and behind it is a beautiful mountain, and the mountain reflects in the lake. Words don't describe it. Picture, they showed us pictures of Jenny Lake. Hey, y'all, we'll take you here when y'all get here. It's like, okay, sounds good. you know. Nothing prepared me. So when it says it was pleasant to her eyes, that's a little bit misleading. She saw it in a way that caused an emotional response within her. It's something that touched her, that caused her to desire it inwardly, All right? It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So we're talking about the way things look, the way things seem, the way things feel, right? So let's just break it down as simple as we can. The fruit looked good. Looking at the fruit in a different light caused her to feel something for the fruit. It now seemed reasonable to eat the fruit. See how that works? She looked at it in a different light which created an emotional response, a feeling in her. You know, we talk about, men have feelings for whatever, you know. Isn't it funny how we talk about, man, I love my car, you know what I'm saying? Or I love my this. Well, that's okay. I mean, let's be careful about using the words love like that carelessly, okay? But again, we're talking about something that creates an emotional response in us. Yes, an object. I'm not talking about another person. I'm talking about an object, all right? So if you can understand that, then you understand that when she saw that fruit in a different light, now you know, something that would actually benefit my family, something as a mother, maternal instincts, instincts, a wife, you know. This time she saw it, it made her feel something, right? And so it just seemed reasonable now. You think, how could she go from it being like so definitive to like, man, this is actually going to make everything better it's because her thoughts, her words, and then her actions shifted from what God had said to the way it looked, seemed, and felt. Say that Satan won because he got him to sin. Yes and no. He won because he got him out of faith. The shield of faith, remember that? The defensive part of our armor? Quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy. Anything he throws at you, it can't get through the shield of faith. That's why he's trying to get you to lower the shield. Right? As long as we hold that shield of faith high, anything and everything he throws against you is going to bounce off. It's going to be quenched. Fiery darts are going to hit that shield and go, and go out. So he's got to get you to lower the shield. He's deceptive in the ways that he does that. When Peter said, "Oh no, no, Jesus, you got, you know, we're your posse, man. We, are your bros, brother. That ain't gonna happen. We, you know, we grew up in the docks. We, we, we streetwise, man. We got friends. We know people. Right? They ain't uh uh-uh. uh. They'll have war on their hands. If they try that junk. Right? That was his attitude. He, he, he was being you know bravado. He." He, he was, you know, trying to defend his friend, right? He didn't realize he was being used by Satan to try to get Jesus to just consider for one second an alternate route, right? Do you see that? Brother, sister, please, it's what he does to me and you or what he tries to do to me and you every single day of our lives. Not anymore, Amen. Not anymore. We're learning. We're learning. Practice this, please. Practice this, please. Practice this, please. She looked at the fruit. Looking at the fruit in a different light caused her to feel something for the fruit. It now seemed reasonable to eat it. Stand with me. Praise God. Oh, Father, we love you, and you're good to us. You are so good to us. Father, forgive us, first of all, for allowing the enemy to get our thoughts on forbidden things that would ultimately kill us and end our lives early to the point that we become so obsessed and consumed with what we can't have that we, Lord, lose sight of you and all that you've given to us and the wonderful, bountiful things that you have freely, given to us, and that we may freely eat, and that we we may eat in freedom, and that we may eat and remain free, Lord, freely eat them, and be free while eating them, and eating them, and remain free, 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 free. Father, it's it's your desire for us, Lord, not to be caught up in our desires of our flesh, and all the things that the enemy tries to tell us, and lies, and not ever going to have any fun again, never going to enjoy a holiday again, not ever going to enjoy a birthday again, can't do this, can't do that. Oh, Father, what what you have made available to us, the joys of salvation, they are so, so, so... Father, they they don't even belong in the same sentence, the joys of salvation are so much greater than the pleasures of sin. Help us to learn it, Father. Help us to know it. Help us to experience it. Father, as we look to the remainder of this week. Thank you for blessing what we put our hands to. Helping us do, Lord, what you've created us to do. Put us on this earth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hey, I failed to announce this earlier. If some of you could help, we got some tables and stuff to move.